And we're back to the round table. Uh, three of the same people. Two new guests. We'll see if they're coming back to dinner anytime soon. Um, Coho, welcome. Um, a lot of doubt of having you on the show. Um, people yeah. thought you would watch these at fast speed, but we made an agreement to everybody watching. Normal speed. How are you doing? What did you bring? Um, I'm doing good. I really hope the new like places internet does not screw me over. Uh, I'm hoping it stays. Uh, I... I'm excited to be here. I brought Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, the masterpiece of the pandemic. It's just shocking that I've never heard you on any other podcast talk in depth about this movie, but it's interesting that you did it twice. Um, next up, uh, we'll go to Bar. Welcome. How are you doing? What'd you bring? You're muted, muted, which is a good start. We're that, leaving it in. That, that's, so. that sounds about right. Uh, I've been up since 3 a.m., uh, I'm good otherwise. Um, I brought the boys from Brazil. Hmm. No, so but what movie treat. did you bring? Somebody We keep Scott around for the jokes. Yeah. Um, totally speaking the jokes. of Brian, what uh, green bean casserole from the 90s did you bring this time? Uh, I did not this time. Uh, this time I brought hmm. uh, the one that everyone here had already seen, but I still want to talk about more. Uh, that is uh, 2020's The Harder They Fall. And Scott, um, what indie darling did you bring that no one has ever seen? I guess it's kind of an indie darling, but yeah, I went uh, foreign language again for the second time in a row. I picked Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden. And I brought Love and Basketball, because we need to talk about sports ball and love. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, basically how the show works is we're all just going to talk about the, we all watched our movie separately. We're all just going to talk about how we feel, have a free flowing conversation. The first one up, The Handmaiden just finished watching this. So Scott, what'd you bring? Why'd you bring this to us? Yeah. So again, The Handmaiden is the film I chose. Um, I chose it for a few reasons. Um, number one, uh, it is another foreign language film, like I said, you know, just trying to expand the the palette of, of uh, people in the community. It's the second time in a row that I've chosen a, a foreign film. I tried to choose ones that I feel are going to be very watchable, um, which I think this movie certainly is. Park Chan-wook um, also has a new movie out this year, uh, Decision to Leave, which I highly, highly recommend. It's excellent. So I wanted to kind of recommend it for that reason, because maybe, you know, people get into it and want to watch um you know, decision to leave. Most people have probably seen Old Boy already, which of course is also his. But um, yeah, but um, so those two reasons, and also just because I think this is like not only is it you know a foreign language film, but it's the type of movie that American filmmakers, a lot of them don't have the balls to make. I think because um, for for a lot of reasons, it's you know tonally i think the the tone of this movie like his control over it is pretty masterful like he's able to like keep it on this fine line between campy and like actually genuinely thrilling and exciting and um you know serious um without you know ever leaning too far in one direction so that um you know it becomes distracting and again it, it, you know he just really goes for it in some of these scenes in this movie and the storytelling i mean there's twists all over the place um it's just the type of thing like i said i don't think enough american uh, filmmakers are attempting um 
let alone pulling off. And that's why I wanted, you know, to kind of get everyone else's thoughts about it, because I feel like this is the type of movie where, um, you know, you could you would watch it and um, all of a sudden get excited about, you know, foreign language films. It, it kind of reminds me like <laughs> music wise. I don't know if anyone listens to like K-pop or anything like that, but K-pop is like um, doing things pr from a production standpoint that like you just don't get in American music, like messing around American pop music, like messing around with tempos and all this, you know, doing crazy shifts in the middle of songs. And, you know, you have a standard pop song and then all of a sudden there's like a rap bridge and stuff in it. It's just, they just really go for it. And I feel like the same way in, you know, Asian cinema in particular. So um, it's a very fun movie. It's a very entertaining movie and watchable movie. I'm curious to know what you guys think because I think only Brian had seen it before. Yeah, so um, definitely doesn't have the balls, and clearly from the movie, it does not. Um, but well, the the, what I will at the end, <laughs> there well, were balls. That's what, I, <laughs> yeah. that's what I will say. Jingle the bells or whatever. I will never look at those uh, the same way. That is probably yeah, this movie, then? rewatch the Polar Express now. That is oh, probably. I, no. I'm gonna be. I, I don't. I was when it happened. When the so. To get the the elephant in the room out of the way, this movie has some of the most aggressive sex scenes that I have ever seen in the movie, ever. Yeah. There was moments I went, one, didn't really look into it, didn't really know much about it, have a big screen TV in my house, quickly at times had to switch that thing to a smaller screen because it was just... <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. Um, I, I, I would like to make a list of like the baldiest last or like questionable last shots in films or like scenes. This one would definitely be up there for me. Um, I say for the round table, I think we've done two and a half. If you count our, let's count that three foreign films in the yeah. five episodes. I think we're doing pretty well for ourselves, especially somebody. I am not a fan of foreign films normally. Or I do not. I shouldn't say not a fan. I don't seek them out often. Uh, they get recommended, or they show up on a YLF episode, or they get. So I don't visit them often. Uh, this show is a perfect example to bring into the forefront. This movie is is all over the place, but I think that's the intention of it. Like it definitely shows up. Like there's stuff that happens, and then the third act is like in, in uh, there's twists and turns and blah blah. So I thought it was very really interesting. I didn't overall love the film as much. I don't know if some Brian gave it four stars, which I didn't think Brian would give it four stars. But um, when he initially watched it, I don't know how he feels now. But um, so how did everybody else feel going into it? Did you know much about this film prior? I had I had no clue about it. This is literally the first movie from this director that I've ever seen. Um, well, that's true too. I have not seen Old Boy either. I also yeah. have not seen Old Boy. Um. I yes. had I, honestly a coworker of mine recommended it. This uh, is better, in my opinion. So, ooh, interesting, ballsy. Um, but um, yeah, I did. We all stop saying balls. <laughs> a little tired of, this part of the conversation. It's just too fitting for this movie. Ooh, ballsy. Um, ooh, ooh, don't like that either. <laughs> um, I did not know what to expect. Um. I, I I knew of this director and like some of the films that they had made, so I kind of had like a slight idea, um, but I had no idea what to expect going into this. Um, 
I I really like this film a lot. Uh, I will say that I think that some scenes go a little too long. It's a long movie. It's a long yeah. movie. If we're being real, this is a little too long for my take on what the story overall arcing story. The movie is too long. So I will just say, as a counter to that, that I think sure. it's constantly changing and unraveling. And so I think I don't think the length is as much of a problem because, like, it's almost oh, like I, the movie is re resetting when you get to the second chapter, right? And now it's like a whole new movie in a way is beginning because we're seeing oh, yes, everything oh, no, else I, from a different character's perspective. I, I agree with I that in terms of story. I mean, just like particular scenes. Yeah, I, um, I know what you're saying. The sex scenes were too <laughs> excessive. A little bit too long. I mean, uh, at, I, yeah. at the point at time, the at time, shut up, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, I agree. The way that the story weaves uh, and just like twists and tangles, like once it gets to a particular point, uh, let's call it the end of the first act. Um, I I did not, I was not expecting that. And then like once halfway through like the second act, I realized what was happening and I was in. I was in completely. Let's 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 talk about because I have the, okay. The end of the first act is when she gets committed to the Asylum. the, mm -hmm. yeah. which I think is the biggest plot hole in this film. And I'm the only one that's crazy because she has a verbal confirmation out loud in this film, or in her thought to the audience, I guess. Not maybe not out loud to uh, about that this person's evil, blah blah. But it was an, an entire plan at the end revealed in the third act. Am I not? Is that not what happened? Because that's what I gather. She says it. We hear it. And then the third act, they reveal that it's all like this was the overall planned all along to do this. Yeah, because but, they're going to set the fire and break her out of the asylum and everything. But like why that. would she say it? Like, if it was an internal thought, why say that out loud if she knew if she was in on the plan? Say, say the what? guy to buy it. That, that yeah, yeah. Say what line are you talking? But he, about? she doesn't say it to the guy. None of you, none of you are selling me on Cody's plot hole. I had the same plot hole. No, like I know, I'm saying that I don't know. I don't. I can't think of the exact dialogue. But she says it when, like, she's getting pulled away from the the like when they're like, she's. I guess she calls him a son of a or something like that. And she says the line. She says that she is uh, a bad woman or something like that. She says like the the phrase. Like she says it. Like it's not to him. It's not verbal. It's internal. It's like an overall internal like thing. So, but she's in on it. So why have that? Why have well, that I, moment? Well, if you eliminate that, that line, it doesn't mean anything. I just write that off as like the fact that she is narrating it all. This is not like she's not like writing a journal or anything. It's actually narrating to the audience. I think it's just, it's just that they're narrating to the audience. They want you to buy into it, so it's that much more of a twist to get to it. Well, it's just the whole. And also, I think there are times when her attitudes are shifting a little bit because she is. You know, there's a, there's a question of what's play acting, what's not, and you could say that at some point she does kind of turn against, um, I can't even, Lady Hideko because of like the attention she's showing towards the count now, and it's like, oh well, maybe she's just acting, or maybe she's like actually falling for him or whatever. Like you, you know, it's there's constant double crossing and you know question marks. I think even in the minds of the characters because it's just one plot inside of another, like. All it takes is one, you know, one person changing their mind and, you know, everything comes unraveled. So, um, you know, my, my take on that obviously is obviously we know that these, these characters are in love with each other at a certain point. But because of that, you know, there's jealousies, there's little doubts and things like that that can creep in as well. 
I guess my take on that is that she doesn't say that. I understand what Brian's saying, which makes a little bit more sense for me. Because if she says it, then it, like, infirms to the audience when the twist happens, it's bigger. But if she doesn't say that, the twist still works for me. I guess that's the point that took me out of it versus where it, like, put it. But that's not neither here. I think the twist was very shocking. For I did not see that twist coming when it happened. It was... Well, the when she gets committed to the the insane the when she gets put into the asylum, asylum like when that reveal happens, like there's you, the standoff. You think like maybe this will this won't happen, and it does. I thought that was pretty uh, impressive, Brian. What's your overall thoughts? You've seen you saw this movie prior, so I'm kind of interested on a rewatch. When was your first time watching it? Like I guess. Um, well, I saw it a few years ago, I think right after it first came out, because it got recommended to me. It's, it's, I'm not real big on foreign films. I will say the one area I do tend to watch the most is South Korean films, just because they seem to have, they, I really seem to enjoy their style, whether it be, you know, horror movies like Train to Busan or like Parasite or this, or or even I've seen some comedies and things that are really good. So South Korean cinema is one that I really do enjoy. Um, and this director particularly, of course, Old Boy is a great film. He also did a great one that not a lot of people have seen called Thirst. Uh, it's essentially yeah. a vampire film. Uh, his American one, Stoker, not real good. Skip that one. But um, but I had seen this one before, um, and I really like the way he directs it, the way uh, the way everything looks too. I think that he does a really good job of. I mean, clearly there's some a lot of scenes in here that could be real exploitative, you know, real controversial and shocking, and and but I think he shoots them in a way that they they don't come across that way. It comes across as part of the story. It comes across as uh you know something's well directed and not just saying hey look you know here's a sex scene you know shoved into your movie it actually has to do with the story so i really like the way it's directed um yeah i watched this movie with my family last night no i'm kidding um <laughs> i did the same thing you did though there were a couple times i had to pause it. somebody was walking in the room like wait, parent wait. of the year Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe not i don't know how this will no, work but but um, i honestly upon rewatch i had forgotten almost everything about this movie i remember there being a twist i could not remember what the twist was and so you got to the end of act one and then it takes a twist i'm like oh yeah now i remember but even then i was still kind of following to the end trying to remember how it ends things like that um that's one thing i really do like about not only this film but it seems to be a, a big thing in a lot of south korean films like even parasite was kind of like this where you spend like half the movie or the first act of the movie kind of watching the story unfold you kind of okay this is a good story whatever but then it like takes this turn and you see the entire story from like another point of view, which completely changes everything you just watched. And I really like movies that do that because it, just, it, it makes you think it, of, you know, what people's motivations are, how it got to this, what, you know, you kind of see what was going on on the other side of the wall when you know, certain things are happening. So I enjoyed it just as much this time as the first time. Yeah. And on that point, I really enjoy that type of structure as well. Um, and I will say, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is a, American film still to to officially come out later this year um, on a streaming service, which has the same sort of structure, which I enjoyed very much, which some of us have already seen, I believe, on the call. But anyway. Gotcha. Um, Cole, your thoughts? I know you haven't said much. Um, I OK, so my I, I'm going to get creamed by people in group chats for this. A Asian cinema is not easy for me to get into. Parasite's like a rare exception where I was like, where I, I just think Parasite's a very accessible movie. Um, the Handmaid wasn't that for me. Uh, I had a hard time getting into it. I respect the hell out of Park Chan-wook's, like, to quote Barr, I respect it more than I like it. Uh, I think Park Chan-wook directs it really well. 
I think that I I can see what he's going for. I like that he's ambitious enough to go for it and not half-ass it. Like, just be like, everything he does, he's committing fully. And I appreciate it, but it wasn't my vibe. Um, so I struggled a lot watching this one. Uh, so it's it's not – I don't know if we say – this or anything, but it's probably my least favorite one I watched of the five. So, no, I mean, and that's fine. There were parts where I was like, I was always bouncing in and out of like, like, or like, is it just gonna miss for me for this? Like, it wasn't an overall like slam dunk. Like, there are a few tonight that were slam dunk, like, I enjoyed a lot. Uh, well, I guess that doesn't even fair because I've seen them, but uh, for this one, it was like, I just didn't like. The the intrigue of the story brought me in, and right. what I've heard about this director, like he does these bold, like shocking almost, like moments in film because basically he bends the media basically where no one else will at times. That's right. why the aggressive sex scenes are where they are in the film and how long they last and how like in your face yeah. they are. But he does it because like. I guess you can, um, and, it, and it doesn't. And the thing is, it involves with the story of showing how much like this relationship, um, very built on lust. If we're being fair, like oh, uh, oh, 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 lust is like a because, yeah, oh, because, because her overall, brain has been poisoned from a young right, age by no, him forcing her to right. read this dirt, these dirty yeah. books. To the, yeah, and that, that's fair. That's what I'm saying. That's why we're going. Like it's a, it's a. They're, that's how they, ex they express their feelings towards each other. You can just clearly see it throughout it. So that's where in those scenes, so he doesn't just do it to Raina, but he does it. And when he does it, it's just like, it, it's shot because if you're not used to that kind of cinema or you're not used to that, like in American films, we don't have like no. that. When House of Gucci came out and that scene is in there with Lady Guy, that's everyone that's talked about. What is this? Why is it so long? It's in here and blah, blah. And then if they saw this, they'd be like, I know, like, yeah. It's we have nothing to complain about. We have nothing to complain So my thing is, like, he does that. He's pretty bold with it. I, but, it but the intrigue of the story, like the twists and turns, kept me invested in it long enough. Sure. I just have a problem with the runtime, and I get it, Scott. And there's no shot of, but it's 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 a it's a hefty runtime. All these movies had hefty runtimes for me this week, which is fine. But it, this one was, I seem like the longest to me. I don't know the actual, maybe the version I watched. I don't know if there's directors, but mine was very long, right? like two hours and forty. Well, no, it is. And in, in this case, I mean, there's a reason for it because there's a lot of scenes that you're basically watching twice. So I think that's one yeah. of the reasons you can go yeah. down longer than others. I uh, will be interested to see if if y'all watch Decision to Leave, and you should, um, what you think, because it has a romance that is one of the driving forces of it, but it is the exact antithesis of this, which is that the the characters in the romance, they only share a kiss like at the very end of the movie, and that's it. Um, there's, there's nothing more than that that um, happens, but it's a very effective romance i think but also the movie is a police procedural and again you see like this is just what he does he's blending genres all over the place and i mean i actually think the romance is very different here but it works and then you also have this crazy erotic thriller going on that like you know also yeah it never opened here but i'm getting a free movie trial this week just so i can watch it so 
Yeah, I, I yeah, it, the, is on, it is on I movie the romance now, so. in this movie was built up so well and just like so naturally, even though the 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 way that this movie kind of like twists and turns could have like easily thrown that off. But I thought the way that the romance built in this was really well done. And what they're able to build up too is like when the twist happens at the end of the first one, you feel for the twist, like the the shocking like take away because you're like, what are you? What was this whole first act? Like this whole first act was like, what are we doing? And you just threw it away like it was nothing. Like so, it's shocking. What that's what I will say about it. Um, they do, and the decision to leave is no one and that I follow on Letterbox has given it under four stars. So. And there's a few shocking people that I've seen that they give it positive. So give it a shot, absolutely. Um, and uh, got anything I else? Also, <coughs> also, I wanted to say that um, I think the the cast is really good in the movie. Um, I think uh, Kim Min Hee, who plays yes. Lady H- Lady Hideko, she's probably the the standout. I was going to bring up doing, the exact same person as the standout. Yeah. She's doing so many different things um, in her performance because, again, she's playing like the very demure um girl in the first act right and you think she's so naive what what is it that uh that suki says something like oh you could a man could like grab her nipple or something and she would have no idea what it means um and you like you you know you think that she's like completely innocent naive and then you realize that she's in on it more but then you realize that she also the feelings that she has are real. So there's just a lot of like layers and disguising things really well in her performance. And she's like a she's been in a lot of movies with Hong Sang Soo, who's another uh, big Korean director. Um, and so she's like kind of a notable actress. I hope she'll be in. I don't know if she's been in any American films yet, but um, you know she deserves some attention because I think she's really good in this. Okay, um, we'll go around. We'll get ratings for it. Scott, where are you at on this movie? Four and a half. It's great. Um, I highly recommend people to check it out. You know, if you're interested in exploring more foreign films, you know, despite what we've said about the sex scenes and everything, I do think it is one of the more watchable, accessible, you know, entry points for, you know, for foreign language films. It's contemporary it like has a crazy fast paced genre bending plot where you're going to be like, what is going to happen next? You're going to at least make it through to the end. Um, so for that reason, I definitely would recommend it to, to most people. So four and a half. Uh, Brian, still at four. Or did uh, you yeah, go? For me, it held a solid four stars. And uh, I think the jingle bells at the end, make it a Christmas movie. So everybody should check it out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, hate that. Who, um, bar, bar, what are we at? Um, if Letterboxd would let me have my quarter score option, it would be 4.25. But, um, uh, I would give it a 4.5. Oh my god, could you imagine? Uh, Tim doesn't use, doesn't use half stars and you're out there using quarter. That would be the highlight. Uh, Koho, where are you at? Uh, I'm at three stars. Um, it's, I put it right there in the middle to the point where, I, I can't go higher than that because I can't say I even really necessarily enjoyed the experience of watching it. But it's not because it's bad. It's because I'm the problem. Uh, to quote Scott's it's favorite me. genius, well, I, I, I'm I the it. problem, I it's me. It. Uh, but I, I, I respect Park Chan-wook and what he's going for, but it's not for me. So I gave it to him. 
Uh, how you talked, I thought it was going to be lower. Um, yeah. I'm, I'll, yeah, that three's fine. I'm going to give it three and a half. I think it's fine. I think it's, uh, I don't know how often I'll ever check it out, but I, again, didn't hate my time with it. Um, all right, so we're going to go to the next movie, um, The Boys of, Boys from Brazil. Yes. So, Bar, take it away. So I was introduced to this movie by a co- another co-worker of mine, shout out to Eve, um, who was like, hey, I think you would really like this. Uh, she told me I had Gregory Peck, and I saw that I had Laurence Olivier, and I was like, oh, okay, really interesting. I didn't look up any of the plot um, before watching this movie. And so it's the boys from Brazil follows this Nazi hunter played by Laurence Olivier, who is pretty much informed that this group of Nazis is gathering together in Brazil, uh, led by Gregory Peck's character, who plays a great villain in this. Um, And so he finds out that they've been assigned to kill a specific amount of men, all civil servants, around this exact time period and it's this great kind of mystery as to what's happening what's going on why are all why why these specific men why this specific time uh and as the clock starts dwindling down and things start you know coming to a climax uh the levels of you know the hatred that Gregory Peck's character has intensifies and the desperation of Laurence Olivier's character intensifies and it comes to this really, I, I it's kind of campy, but it's just the right mm-hmm. level of camp uh, to the point where it's not, it doesn't push you too far away. It makes it a lot more fun. Um, so I noticed that no one on this panel had seen it before. I thought it's a movie that not a lot of people know about, and I think a lot more people should. I think it's a really fun, really intriguing film. Okay. Um, so when you said that can't be, this is the one of the movies that I think honestly would benefit from a remake. And the I reason why I'll say it, because uh because I think in 78 there are so many like direct like styles that they choose or things that makes this overly campy. Like the stuff that they could add to modern technology, I think would possibly because one, this is still a conspiracy theory out there today that there are people, the Nazis live in Brazil. Um, it's calm. Like, I, when I heard this, I was like, oh my God. Okay. So they made a movie in the 70s about the cause people that still talk about it today. Um, overall, this movie had stuff I really liked about it and stuff I really hated about it. And it was like a mixture because it was very campy, but I enjoyed like the overall performances of the story behind it. I thought like, the the final like the basically the final the final two scenes of the movie I think is probably where the like the crux of it was, um, where the jump from like to dislike went rapid at times for me, um, because I think the intense stuff like if we just talk about the movie overall like. Like when they're all deciding, like the 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 plant, they're planting the the because it has a uh, Steve Gutenberg in it, and like the dude, like yeah. the the Gut is in that which I couldn't get past after seeing that because Mike just has bombarded me with Steve Gutenberg for a year and a half now. But as soon as his face popped up on the screen, I was like, oh my god! And but he's when like he's one the, of the, the first people you see. Yeah. Yes. When you I, when he showed up, is that Steve Gutenberg? Um, when they do the like uh, the the bug inside the house, 
and you see like the actual like anger from Gregory Peck for like the first time in the film, I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. Like this is sweet where we're going because I don't I don't look at Gregory Peck and think of this character at all. Oh, there's one line that up. he said later in the film <laughs> that you're just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what's the line? He has a lot of good. Uh, lines, shut yeah. up, you ugly bitch. Yeah, so when he talks to the old woman. <laughs> But overall, I think there's just, I think this is just a uh, one, definitely feel the 70s on it, but definitely has that campy and bike vibe. So that was my overall thoughts. Everybody else, anybody think of, hear about this film prior? Or what's your initial thoughts I, of it? I have been bombarded by Caleb Boatman to watch this movie for a long time already. Oh. Uh, so I was like, all right, time to watch this finally, because yeah, I think Boatman was like, on either an Olivier kick or a James Mason kick or something, and he like told me to watch this one. And James Mason is maybe my favorite part of the movie, which I did not expect. I really like him. Um, I think Peck is like so fun, like stupid fun. Uh, you were talking about how like they should remake it. They kind of did, not really. It's a TV show on Amazon called Hunters, and Al Pacino plays the Lawrence Olivier role. It's sort of that, but that it's not count. exactly that. It's it's sort of this, but not this. Um, so I got I was watching this the whole time, just in the back of my head, being like, "Oh, it's kind of like Killers," and I love Killers, so I'm like, "This is really." I love the cheese factor. Um, I loved like the Gregory Peck's. He betrayed you. He betrayed me. He betrayed the Aryan race. I think he's so over the top at times, and it's so fucking fun to watch. Um, so I enjoyed this quite a bit, actually. So. Um. Look, I think Scott, we just talked a about time. a movie. We just talked about a movie that I think, uh, again, the thing maybe which stands out to me the most is like the tonal control and the way that it's able to keep the train on the tracks. Not here. Um, I think that this movie wants to be too many different competing things at once and is not made with enough precision to sort oh, of no, pull we'll talk that about off. That movie later. Um, <laughs> maybe, but um, I think. Look, I love stuff that is campy, but to me, it needs to be like knowingly campy. And I don't know. I think they want to have do their. I think that this isn't knowingly campy. I think they want to have their cake and eat it here too, because I think they want it to be like this pulse pounding, like thriller. Like, oh, how did this happen? Or how could this happen? You know, could this actually happen? Like, you know, this sort of scientific genetic element in there that's meant to sort of mess with your mind. But then you have all this ridiculous stuff going on that just that, in my opinion, takes you out of the movie. And I think the performances were like maybe the main villain for me in this. I, not to make him catch a stray or anything here, but I was looking at Kirk's review and he was saying <laughs> that um, this, you know, the plot gets crazy at times, but the performances ground the movie. I'm sorry, Kirk, but what movie are you watching? Because Lawrence Olivier's accent in this movie is awful. I could not take a single thing he did seriously. He was doing a bad Sigmund Freud impersonation. Like, that was literally his character. And Gregory Peck, like, I kind of liked him at first, but it just goes, it, yeah, it, it goes too far over the top. I thought the kid actor was awful. I didn't understand what he was doing at the end of the movie when he comes back home and he's just like, chilling there and he's like whoa my favorite line of this entire movie is going on (laughs) my favorite moment in this entire movie is when gregory peck is sitting there and goes you are from the greatest person of all time adolf hitler and the kid goes 
You're crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're weird. You're weird or something like that. Yeah. You're weird, that. man. Like, no, it's like I, he's giving I like this of, performance and pausing every time, and he's like, "Yeah, well, whatever, man." I kind of like that they like ended on a haunting note of like, "Oh, but what if the damage is already done, right?" And this kid like is now snapped or whatever. Like, I thought that was an interesting way to end the movie, and I liked some of the like you know, procedural, like, Lawrence Olivier, like, just going around, like, talking to all these random people, like, trying to figure out exactly what's going on, even though I think it's pretty clear what's going on, like, not that long into the movie. Um, like, I don't think it should have taken him as long to figure it out as he did. But again, the accent and the, like, it just, it, I couldn't take it seriously. And I, I did have the feeling that the movie wanted me to take it at least a little bit seriously. Um, so. Yeah, it, it didn't fully land for me, unfortunately. But like, it's very watchable. Like, and the the story is crazy, and like, not something you'll see in other movies, obviously. So, so I I had heard of the movie. I had never seen it. I think that I I looked at. I mean, even though I'd seen good reviews, I look at it. I see Lawrence Olivier and Gregory Peck and James Mason, and it just looks like the kind of stuffy '70s drama that I'm not going to enjoy. Um, but you know, I, I thought I'd, you know I'd, I'll check it out. And of course, the first thing I see is Stu Gutenberg. So I think it's like, you know, Police Academy Assignment Brazil or whatever it is. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> but but it, it's one of those strange, I mean, obviously it's early in his career. So it's pretty much, a, it's the, maybe the only time I've ever seen him in a straight dramatic role. So, you know, you keep waiting for him to make a joke or something, but he doesn't. But I got past that. But then, yes, Lawrence Olivier's accent, the first time I heard it, it was ridiculous. But as the movie went on, I kind of just got into it. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that sound like that. And he picked one. Um, I honestly think the performances were pretty good myself, uh, except for the kid. The kid is a horrible actor. I will give you yeah. that. The reason he yeah. never acted again. Um, I hate kid actors. I'm just excited. I actually ended I up very much him. enjoying the movie. I mean, I, I kind of, I, when they got to the big twist, well, we've already talked about spoilers. When you get to the point yeah. where you realize they're cloning, and especially the fact they're cloning Hitler, I mean, I remembered like, oh yeah, I think I remember hearing that at some point. But up until then, I had completely forgotten I ever heard what the movie was really about. I thought it was just, you know, not them hunting through these Nazis that are, you know, hiding in Brazil. Um, but I really liked how the movie progressed and it kind of turned from this Nazi hunting drama into kind of a conspiracy assassination drama and then into like a cloning thriller. And I kind of liked how the story moved along and it kept taking these turns, which kept me interested in where it was going. And I, I have to disagree with Scott about the fact that he should have figured it out earlier on, because especially in the 70s, why would somebody figure out, oh, I think they're cloning people. I mean, that's not something you just a conclusion you would jump to in 1978 or whatever. Well, maybe um, not. the OK, maybe not the cloning aspect of it, but the fact that they're like trying to engineer this person to like be like Hitler. Like, basically, they're, they're setting up all of the details from Hitler's life. You know, they're making the mother and father the same age and that, and that the scene, they did drag it out a little longer than, yeah because yeah. once they realized there was a cloning thing so let's let's look at the families and and i actually really liked that scene i really liked the way they were talking about how you know you can clone the genetics of it but then you have to have the same you know uh the same uh nurturing of this child the same lifestyle so they have to have you know the mother the same age the same kind of job the father has to die at the same age the father died and even though it did take well, I mean, obviously the audience catches on way before they do. That scene does kind of, it takes a while, that scene before they realize it. I really like the way that scene was done. And so, I mean, in the end, I actually really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Yeah, this is, I think I this also... is just a movie that's really fun. It take, it's a ride that you're going along. And the <laughs> twists and turns 
Um, I, I just think all those that, sort of fun times. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not like you know one of the like the heaviest roller coasters in the world. It's like Big Thunder Mountain at Disney, but it's a fun ride of when you're on it. I mean, it 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 is, but also again, like at the end, they want you. To, I feel like to have this big takeaway about like, well, look at how easy it is to like you know sh shift your attitudes and like become like Hitler because now you know the people on Lawrence Olivier's side are like, now we got to kill all the children or whatever, and it's like, oh well, that's you know that's this is the gateway in right here. This is how people become like Hitler, right? And I feel like they're they're trying to have some sort of commentary there. But well, I think just, it is because I think it off. leaves a big question mark at the end. It's like, yes, there's the, there's the uh, side of people who think they've been raised the same and the same genetics and everything. These people could turn out to be Hitler. And then there's the other side of people who are like, well, we don't know that. It's kind of like the whole minority report. Like just because you think that, you know, under these conditions, first commit a crime, they haven't done anything yet. So we can't kill these children for something they haven't done yet. And I think that the ending is a very good job of kind of leaving that as a question mark where, you know, we don't know which side is right. We don't see where the story goes from there. Um, I do agree with Cody. I think it's, it would make for a really, even from early on in the movie, I was thinking this would make for a really good remake in, in current day. I would also agree I that think, I think a remake is good. Just on the, the kid has blue contacts in. Is this, what, is this correct? Positive, like, yeah. yeah. Okay, because they look just as bad as they look in the, I'm just making sure. I just still love the part, the final the final scene, well, well before he burns the left hospital, but the scene with them in the, in the, in the house with the the three Doberman pinchers, basically that they just that they just lock up in the, the the very next room, like very next room, and the guys looking the entire time at it, like he couldn't possibly open the door. Like we're good. I just think it's hilarious because now like the train dogs and again it has so much camp in it. But I I, I disagree with Bar. I don't think going into this movie, I expected as much camp as was in this movie. Like, when you think of the subject matter, again, when you figure out the whole plot, yeah, they're allowed. But it is totally kind of a mess for me at times. That's why I love and hate it. Like, we were, cl we're cloning Hitler. We're, we're investigating. Like, it's, it bounces back and forth. Again, the performances are fun enough. For me to not like hate, do I think they're giving great performances? When I've seen great performances, I think you're nuts. But is it enough? Is are they understanding what movie they're in in the camp world that they're in? I believe so. Gregory Peck knows what movie he's in. Oh, yeah. it may not be the movie you enjoy, but he is having a damn good time being an overacting crazy person. Well, I was looking at like, the movie he, and talking about how Lawrence Olivier, this is during a period where he was getting ill and he knew he was towards the end of his life. So he was just basically taking roles to make money for his family before he died, kind of like where Bruce Willis went to straight to video movies. And so it's again, like I'm, Lawrence Olivier was doing stuff like this and Clash of the Titans and things like that. Nominated Gregory Peck wanted to be a part of it because Lawrence Olivier was part of it. James Mason did it because the other two guys were doing it. So they brought all these big actors into it that otherwise might not have done the movie. Well, it was like last week's, last month's targets where like they needed to work uh, uh, Boris Karloff into one more movie. So they put him in the film. Like, yeah, it's just, I, uh, <laughs> we have a theme. I'm not going to belabor the point past this. But I will say, again, this was the 70s when this movie came out. Every movie in the 70s was about, like, paranoia. And, like, you know, everybody was freaking out about what was going on with the government. And, you know, the parallax view and all these, you know, movies like that. Um, and this is trying to be, like, a 70s paranoid thriller. But then again, you have all this crazy stuff going on. So that's just where, where the... the it was discordant for me. I would almost counter that it knows exactly what it's doing, and it's almost 
ahead of its time making fun of that little subsect of the 70s just a little bit where it's like taking the popular thing to do with movies and poking just a little bit of fun at Free, the, Freeberg at, like, the and Sculptures uh to paralyze whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. whoa. I, I mean more so like, yeah. conspiracy movie your operation is terminated no your operation is terminated <laughs> this is nominated for three oscars whoa best supporting <laughs> actor crazy. for Lawrence olivier man it's nuts. Oh, it makes too much sense. They would they would nominate him today too. If they nominate Mark Rylance and Bones and all, then they've done the same thing. I will say that this if this cast is sneaky stacked when you look at it. Because you have Olivier Peck and Mason, but you also have like Rosemary Gutenberg, Michael Go, Steve Gutenberg, Denholm Elliott. Like Denholm. That's Denholm. A who really plays that child? Cast. Which, which I find kind it's of it's like, maybe, maybe, Brody, maybe Marcus Brody is actually the same character. He's done hunting Nazis. He moves on with the Yo, Indiana can Jones. you imagine if this tied into Indiana Jones? <laughs> that, that, would would make, that, would make, that would make Marcus gets lost in his own museum even better, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're weird, man. Still one of my favorite Oh, it's going to be my review. <laughs> You're weird, man. Come, kill him. Kill him. And those dogs, like, what a vicious attack. What a vicious attack! Like it is like one of the most brutal, like looking attacks ever. Because you think like I think Gregory Peck's really dying in the scene because these dogs are just like it looks vicious where it's happening. Um, uh, Bar, what? How many? What's your star rating? This movie knows what it is. It's a lot of fun. I give it four stars. Okay, um, Brian. Uh, this is like four stars as well. Nice. Uh, I'm at three and a half. Three and a half. There was stuff I liked, okay. stuff I didn't. Coho. I also went three and a half. Um, because like as much as I had fun, um, it's I I do admit it, it it's a touch 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 cheesy. I like the cheese. Don't get me wrong, but I I wouldn't go so far as to be like I really enjoyed it or anything. I had a good time. So three and a half. Um, Scott. This is gonna be like four and a half. No, no, I'm <laughs> I'm half not sorry. sorry I, I'm not sorry I watched it. It's a very interesting movie. Again, I was fully entertained, but I'm giving it two and a half stars. I just don't think it, it really works. Listen, and this is uh, for people in the show. Like again, as long as you like the movie and you bring it on, you're never gonna get criticized for you bringing it on. Just the film just doesn't hit people. Unless you bring, uh, I brought a movie on. Okay. Yeah, poor Mark Menchaca, poor one out. Died on, <laughs> died on call. Um, he he swung in every time, but he was dying. Um, uh, all right, so um, our next movie, um, it's gonna be mine. It's Love and Basketball. Um, so I picked Love and Basketball because as soon as I saw Love and Basketball was not logged by three people, and one of them was Brian Michaels. It was the clear and easy like pick, like because every time I do the show, I like. Oh, let me see who I can pick one for, and then oh wait, Brian's seen that, of course. Like, and anytime I see a star rating too, it makes me question things. Like, oh crap, maybe I, I don't want to hear it again, so I don't pick it. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, Love and Basketball 2000, I think it came out. Um, again, not a yep. not a. That's uh, all, yeah. uh, uh, basically uh, two. Uh, 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 Basically, a couple that grew up next to each other their entire life. Like, since they're 11, uh, basketball is their main thing, but they end up 
giddy into a love affair about it. I picked it basically because I think this movie's awesome. If I if I'm being real honest, I like I like the the uh, the sport. I love sports movies, but I think this has actually got a really strong romance uh, movie connected with it. Um, and I think it tells like it's basically a three part movie or whatever, but it tells in that story and that arc. So. Um, yeah, I definitely, I thought, and it's one that I was doing like a 2000, like I think the year, um, Zach Ford gave it to me and I was like, I've never even heard of this movie before I watched it right up my alley. So, uh, go around, uh, anybody have any initial thoughts on Love and Basketball before I gave it to you to watch? You're muted, bro. You're muted. Wow. That's my stick and you're stealing it. You want me to go first since I've seen it? Oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> Go ahead, I thought this movie was a slam dunk, personally. Um, he was just waiting I, to say that, wasn't he? He was waiting for it. <laughs> oh, you being muted and then unmuted and then saying it makes it even worse. Like, that's just gross. You don't no, go ahead. get out of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is a movie I've been wanting to watch for a while. So, first of all, thank you for making me finally watch this, Cody. Um, no, I loved this movie. I thought the relationship between these two characters was incredibly natural. Like, the progression, it, nothing felt forced, nothing felt stilted, nothing felt like it was being shoehorned in. The progression of this was completely natural feeling, and that's what I love about a good romance film. Uh, that's why I, that's why I love things like When Harry Met Sally, because it just feels so natural and honest. Where it's going, how it went, and all these things. I think this is a great romance. Um, I had never seen it. I'm going to say something that frustrates the hell out of Cody. Uh, and I don't mean to. Uh, I mean it with the utmost uh, compliment that this is. This shares a lot of DNA with my favorite movie of all time, La La Land. There's some shared DNA between that relationship. Run. Where it's two people who are very ambitious <laughs> and dedicate themselves to a thing. And it gets in the way of their own romance. I think that piece of DNA is really powerful and done really well here. Uh, Gina Prince Bythewood uh, is... uh, I didn't realize this was her first movie, because it's phenomenally directed. Uh, It's really well done. Um, I love The Woman King, so now after seeing this, I'm like, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I'm watching the rest of them. Uh, Because I loved this. Um, I think the structure on it is super, super cool of four different like moments of their lives through the four quarters, uh, which I kind of loved. Um, I think this cast is nuts. Like, Dennis Haysbert is so good as the dad. Um, and both actresses who play the moms, it's Alfred Woodard and I can't remember the other one um, off the top of my head. They're both great. Both actresses who play both the moms are really powerful. Um, it also makes me wonder why Omar Epps didn't, like, get bigger. Yo, right? Because like, he's both so good. Yeah, both uh, yes, both of them. But like, I could pull Omar up from Days of Future Past for like the one-off knowing that person. Uh, no, and he's he he's great in, in this. And it's kind of weird that he like didn't get bigger. Any of them really, the, like the like the smaller names got any bigger. But I love the script. I loved everything about it. Uh, absolutely worked for me. So I had never seen this movie, as Cody said. Um, it's one that I've had people recommend to me. I had one girl I, I worked with a long time ago. I said it was like her favorite movie of all time. I just never watched it. I, I think for me, 
when it comes to sports movies, I, I tend to like enjoy like sports comedies, things like that. I don't get into the, the even like the like, inspirational sports movies. I watch them and I enjoy them, but I don't really seek them out. And especially when you're in like schmaltzy, you know, romantic sports movies, it's not generally my thing. Unless well, you're not a like, just right fan. No, I'm more of a tin cup fan. Uh, <laughs> if you're gonna have some romance, it's got to have a little bit more comedy to it. But, um, but I mean, that's just again, that's not a criticism of the film. That's just my tastes. So I had never watched this movie. I didn't realize till after I watched it and was looking into it that it is the director of, of uh, Woman King, Old Guard, even Beyond the Lights. These are all movies I like. So, I mean, I I, I really like this director. Um, this movie, however, uh, it was fine. Again, again, it's just not kind of not my thing. But I, I didn't love it, didn't hate it. There were things about it I enjoyed. I think the performances were, for the most part, pretty good. Um, I think that some of the dialogue is cringy as hell. I mean, the, the whole thing about, you know, at the last game, was like, what are you going to play for? You know, your heart. I'm like, oh, my God. I let out an audible groan, and I rolled my eyes. I actually, my wife from the other room was like, what are you watching? Because you're like, oh. they're playing for your heart. Um, things like that. Um, it's funny that. Andrew mentioned When Harry Met Sally because I read that the director you know, made this because she wanted to make a black When Harry Met Sally. This movie doesn't come close to When Harry Met Sally. This, it's, it's, it's like, it doesn't even compare in any way, shape, or form. Um, right, but, I mean, it, me also, okay? Yeah, right? I mean, for what it is, it, it's okay. I, I am amused that the, the title drop comes during a crotch grab in a basketball game. You know, <laughs> grabs his crotch and then, no, all's fair in love in basketball. I'm like, Interesting place to drop the title for a romance, but okay. it was it was, it was an interesting title. Drop. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mind it, uh, didn't love it, didn't hate it. Um, yeah, I, I'd say if, if I was going to compliment one thing about it, it would be the performance. Dennis Haysbert was good. Alfre Woodard is like in the Mom Hall of Fame. She plays a mom and everything from Scrooge to Heart and Souls to the MCU to this, and um, yeah, it was all right. I knew that's how you're going to feel, so I don't feel too bad about it. I, I, had, I had that feeling going into it. Uh, Scott, you saw it before, so what was your take? Well, I'm glad I went after Brian because I was going to say, I don't know how you do not enjoy this movie, but uh, <laughs> Brian proved me right, uh, wrong, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I just think this is such like a satisfying, well-executed movie. Like, it doesn't matter if you like romance movies. It doesn't matter if you like basketball. I would recommend this movie to anyone from like the most pretentious film bro on film Twitter to like my younger brother who just doesn't watch movies. Like I would recommend this movie to anyone. Like I feel like anyone can enjoy this genuinely. Um, it's just so well made, like, you know, just a genuine crowd pleaser. I love like the look at like, kind of like what Coho was saying. Um, the fact that you have these like really two type a personalities who are like, you know, so competitive about basketball. Um, but now they find themselves in a situation like in a relationship with each other where like they have to like rearrange their priorities sometimes. And like, they don't really know exactly how to handle that situation. Cause basketball has always been like the be all and end all for them. Um, but I like how the movie ends up being about how like, you know, the people around you are kind of what make you enjoy the passions that you enjoy. like. Again, Monica doesn't enjoy basketball when she goes to whatever country, Spain that she's playing in because she's not with, with uh, Quincy. And I think that's a, you know, great way to circle back around and, and, you know, sort of cement 
what the movie is about. I think their chemistry is amazing. They're both like beautiful people to look at. Like the soundtrack is great. Um, it's just a, a knockout of a movie, in my opinion. Like, again, I would recommend this to anyone. The only scene which I don't like is when <laughs> it's just me being a sports anal sports person. But um, the when Monica is playing at USC and she has that game um, where she takes the charge at the end. Right. There's like 20 seconds left in the game and her team is winning. And they're just like passing the ball around. The other team is not fouling. Like the shot clock is off, right? They are not fouling. And then for some reason, Monica tries to like force the pass down low. I mean, her team had gone to the four corners offense. Like all she needed to do was just like throw it to the person next to her. If the other team was just not going to foul, they could have just run out the clock. But instead she makes like this risky pass. And then so just, you know, basketball logic stuff. But other than that, phenomenal. I was gonna say, as far as you're saying that the only thing that didn't work, I think, I think this is another movie that didn't need to be over two hours because throughout, throughout a good chunk of the movie, they're always going over this thing out. They're never successful at the same time. Like whenever one person's up, the other person's down, and back and forth and back and forth. And after a while, like, okay, we get it. Can we just move on to the next stage? Of the but it's trying to like weird. Uh, be about I'm gonna... a whole span of their lives. Like you know, it, it's spanning a lot of time. I'm going to like wholly disagree with, with, with one's always up and one's always down that first opening. They are both kids and they are neutral on the same level. So no, okay, the very beginning, um, but as the movie went, but fair enough. Fair enough. Also, you said two hours. And I was like, that was two hours because to me that went, I know, right. Fast. Did not feel like two hours. I, I, you said, yeah, hours, so it's not two hours. It's 90 minutes. I, I think the thing that works really well is because they don't expand the scope that far. Which works really well in this movie, which is smart because they like center around the two families and that's it. Like they don't go beyond and add like their best friend Donnie that tagged along with like they don't do any of that. They just treated the two characters we have the same. Right. And you have this dynamic I again, I think the things that don't work for me is one, I, I do think the ending is very cheesy. I do. I it's the one thing that draws me out of the movie at the end because at the end of the day, you're two weeks away from your thing. I don't care what the end of the day is. You're talking about thing. He just had his ACL repaired, and you're going to play one-on-one. Apparently, you don't love Tyra Banks that much, or whoever it is. I don't know. Like, you don't love her that much. You're you're not going to be able to even keep up with yes, her. Check it. He doesn't second. love her. I, I, I know. I know. But you don't have to play and risk re-injury. You can just say, you're right. Let's just go back to my house. The other thing is, I, I am also the sports person. I have the problem, like, he's losing that one game. He's coming up, and it's 20 seconds left in the shot clock, and he just shoots up a three. I'm like, I would bench you for the rest oh, of your game. You have no how, point. How about when Monica is in practice, and she steals the ball or whatever, and she has a breakaway to the basket, and she stops and shoots a three from the top of the key? That's when she ends up, like, watching her shot, and the coach is like, oh, you like yeah. the pose? And she has to hold her hand the entire time. I was like – you're shooting a three from that? So, I mean, again, that, these are minor but, things, but But I think, like, I I actually really enjoy, like, the sun dynamic of it when Omar apps and, like, his, like, realization and the dad coming to him and, think, like, instilling all these things to him. Like, I want you to go to a good school. I want you to do that. And, like, he basically, he doesn't say it, but he's like, I basically want you to stay with my mom. Like, you got to know it. And, like, 
when he puts in the thing in reality, it's like, you're going to go to the NBA. And let me tell you, there's 20 people waiting in the lobby for you. Or there's 20, there's there's 100 girls throwing themselves at you. 20 of them are brave enough and got on the same floor, but one shows up at your door. And you deny that every night. And I'm like, wow. Like, when you put that out, and then he's like, he, all he wants is a good education because he knows the life of the NBA is not, like, there for him. And he goes, you're a better ball player than me. I just want you to get a good education. He goes, I'm dropping out. I'm going to the draft. And you're just like, wow. Like, it just keeps going. Like, he shows up. I just love the acting on both of the main people's parts because when they, like, when you, when they're hurting in a certain aspect or there's something's going wrong, you feel it across both sides. I felt it. Please, I know Brian wasn't the same one, but I was like, I think both of these, and looking at their careers, how they didn't just, like, shoot. For me, a little surprising because they had such great performances in this movie. For me, I really enjoyed it. I will say, while, while I thought that the line about, you know, playing from my heart, that was completely cheesy. And I thought it was, yeah. I, I grown with that, you, to be honest. But I will say, though, that I like that it didn't go, you know, traditional route where, you know, she wins or anything. It went that he won, and then there's that moment where you think it's over, and then he says double or nothing. I, I did it's actually such a great – it's such a, like – That's a great – that's a great send-off because – as much as the I'll play for your your heart, and then his she knows she lost, and the, and he's like cocky in her face, and he's like double or nothing. I around the coda scene. When her face, when her face turns around, you're just like, dude, like this movie's just. And like when she comes home after she finds like he takes that he takes oh, she comes back home, and he she like starts going at her mom. Um, and the, I think that's a bomb scene too because the mom puts her right in her like, listen, like basically, like, don't even come at me on this topic. Like, I think it was just again, I think it's just performances throughout that are so because you also get that scene between the mom and the dad of like, be home with us for a side, and she's like, Oh, I'll, don't worry, you'll stay in your Gucci's or whatever. And it, like, she starts taking off her stuff and throwing at him. Will that buy me a weekend? Will that buy me your time? And it's just like such a in your face, like, story. I love it. The, the Dennis Haysbird moment that like gut punched me the most is when, when he's like, I can't let you throw your life away. He's like, I thought camp wasn't in a man's vocabulary. Gut punch, brilliant. And then, like, when it comes back around and he like, comes back to him in the hospital room and he just is like you could have been anything you wanted to so you're you're already better than me so you don't have to do this if you don't want to it's so good dennis haysbert like the fact that this man has was like not even considered for this movie upsetting that no one was because i like like we said the performances are so good and there's so many moments in it that just like crushed me i thought great great writing well, I'm glad to see that, that Haysbert and his son there were able to make up and join the Cleveland Indians together later on. So. <laughs> right. Um, I did like I did think the part where like oh like like when he when he's going through all the stuff and she's busy and doing all the stuff and he's like, Hey, you wanna go to Burger King with us? You wanna go get you wanna go get some food with us? And like her face and like when they come back, it's like, are you gonna Every time that I'm not available, you're just gonna run off, and he's like, "I can't make that promise to you. Like, I can't be emotionally connected to you." I'm like, "He's dang when he shut, you're right." And he shut people out for the rehab. I was like, and again, she goes across and comes back, and I think that realization inside the hospital too is where it's just like, "Hey, like, fiance, oh, 
congrats like because she doesn't know what to say with her that she's like i love that, you like that's like great acting with the you know her whole like trying to pretend to be happy but also like process the shock and sadness and everything like that's a great moment for she's like he's like i'm loved you since we were 11 years old like it was it's a it's it's a and, and he said you still and think you the sun rises on your ass yeah. You've seen it, like, from when they were 11. You're like, yeah, she has. Like, she totally has. Like, you can totally see it. Yeah, and he's been clueless most of the time. So I thought it was really great. I'm glad, I'm glad at least uh, four of the uh, – me and the three other people enjoyed it. I knew where Brian was going to sit where I picked it. Um, just because I've talked to Brian about certain movies like, in this realm. And Barr had to bring up when Harry met Sally. So that was just already shooting itself in the foot. You don't do that when – you know, people are. Uh, but what's everybody's rating on it? I'm four and a half. Well, those little moments are just off for me. Just a little. But, and the Pac 12 must have fucking sucked back then. Because he was throwing up dunks like left and right. I was like, that, that division was garbage. In the, Guess in what? The it still sucks in basketball. It's so, yeah, right. Uh, we'll go Scott. You saw him before. It's almost five stars. Like, I really did think about giving it five stars, but it's four and a half, mainly because Dick Vitale is in it. Um, that's what holds it back from being five stars. <laughs> Married Dick Vitale, then. Oh, oh. It's, it's basketball so, so much. Go get with Dick Vitale. I Again, I recommend this movie life. to anyone watching this, whether you like um, love, whether you like basketball. Uh, whether you are someone watching from India who was just hoping to see if we talk about another Tollywood or Bollywood movie, I recommend this movie. We should just uh, put one of the. We should put one of those movies in the title just yeah. to say it. And then we're just, we're gonna, no, uh, what you do is you just capitalize R three times randomly in the title. And just <laughs> the boys from Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, you're ready. Uh, you know, for me, it was, it was uh, my enjoyment. It was not great, not bad. So it's dead center in the middle, so three stars. Take it. Um, Coho. Uh, five stars. This is instant top 100 material. I will be coming back to this a lot. I loved it uh, a lot. So. Coho just turned a spot back on it. I gave him a movie, gave him five stars. Um, better, more than me. Um, Bart. <clears throat> uh, very strong four and a half stars. Uh, this could make my four point two five, four point seven five. Um, oh, this, this could very potentially two. make my top one hundred on rewatch. I don't know which one I hate more, that or when Jack used to produce the nine point the nine point sevens <laughs> on the ten five stars. I want that to come back so bad. It was my favorite thing. Um, all right, um, right before we talk yeah. about. Uh, the heart yeah. of the song. <laughs> it's time to talk about Eurovision. Movies we're getting here. <laughs> the two okay. sides of Netflix movies. Uh, play Yaya. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Play Yaya. I went. I went to my letterbox. I went highest rated first, and I looked for the first one that none of you had seen, and the answer was Eurovision. So I wanted to transport you back to what it was like in the summer of 2020 when all we had was Netflix movies, and this gem of utter joy and positivity showed up on my feed. Um, I totally understand that this movie is not for you, but I totally buy it. I love the crazy, ridiculous vibe of the Eurovision Song Contest, and I love how Will Ferrell in the movie captures it 
and like how obsessed these people are with putting on these insane performances. I think all the music is really good. Like all of it is super fun. The song along, uh, which is basically just a riff off, but they can't do a riff off because it's not pitch perfect, uh, is so fun. Um, Dan Stevens and Rachel McAdams are my favorite performances in this movie. I think those two are killing it. Dan Stevens as this super flamboyant Russian man, just chest out, open jacket, singing the dumbest songs about being a lion lover are so good. And Rachel McAdams is just so genuine in this movie. I think she's so funny. Um, and I totally understand. Will Ferrell is a very hit or miss actor for a lot of people. He hits more often for me than he misses, even right now. I mean, he just made another movie this year that hit for me that I didn't expect. Uh, so I enjoy Will Ferrell in musicals or, or music-related movies, apparently. Um, I think Eurovision should have won its Oscar that year for the song. It should have won because the Husevik song is so pretty. Um, I also really love Double Trouble. Like, their actual submission song is just super ridiculous fun. And, the and watching them all fall apart. Yeah. Oh, every time. Every time Double Trouble just rules. Um and Yaya Ding Dong is just like the, the most fun dick joke in a movie that he's ever made. Um, it's great. Uh, I I love all the like Norwegian Icelandic uh, actors that they put in it. Um, I love all the Eurovision contestants that they put in it and just peppered throughout as cameos. Um, it's so it's just like a shot of pure joy uh, in a cup, and it's so fun. It's it's just full sugar. Um, so I totally get it if you still like. But I wanted to bring something populist and not elite. So I'm going to write because because he because uh, talks about how Will Ferrell is very hit and miss for a lot of people, and now I'm one of those people. There are movies of his that I love. Uh, you should all watch Spirited. Love that movie. Um, it was good, right? Right, I, right. I'm just saying it was good. Um, and then there and then there's other films that I really don't like of his. Um, this movie is everything I expected it to be, which was not good. Um, yeah. It's, not <laughs> For, this is one of those movies where Will Ferrell is, spends the majority of his time, even within any scene, just kind of, you can tell he's just like ad-libbing and dragging out scenes. And I don't really like when he gets into that kind of thing where it's just like he's going off on his shtick and you can tell the other people are just kind of trying to react to it and keep up with him. It doesn't really work for me. I think all the songs in this movie are horrible. I can't understand why the audiences are cheering for these songs um, because they're all pretty ridiculous. I almost would think they're trying to be ridiculous, but they're That's not. Eurovision. Um I've never I I never heard of Eurovision before this, but oh, uh, man, but you gotta watch things like you gotta watch. Abba's judging by this, there's Eurovision. not a chance in hell I'm watching Eurovision. Um, Where Abba came from? But and then like the the song at the end, the one song that actually sounds decent at, at my hometown at the end there. The problem is that song sounds exactly like Never Enough from Greatest Showman, to the point where I actually started like Google it to see if anybody else felt the same way. And there's people who have done mashups of them together because it's like the same song practically in in the whole in the sound of it. Um, so, I mean, it's a decent song, but it just, it still sounded like kind of a knockoff. Um, I don't know. I agree. I like Dan Stevens a lot. I wish he, he still hasn't broken out. I, I did enjoy him in this, although everybody's kind of doing the silly accents and things, which I understand is, you know, part of the joke, but it didn't really work for me. I like seeing Rachel McAdams. Um, she doesn't do a lot, it seems like, much anymore. And when she does, she doesn't tend to do fun stuff. She shows a lot of, like, serious dramas and things. So I do enjoy seeing her. I, I will agree that she was one of the other good things about this movie. Um. Yeah, the the story for the most part, I just I just really didn't care about these people. I didn't want them to win anything. Uh, there are far better uh, uh movies featuring Pierce Brosnan and Abba, you know, in the Mamma Mia movies. 
uh, <laughs> better than this. Um, yeah, I'll let you guys talk. Come back to me later. Your vision is better than both Mama and Mia's. Spence, come so um, I will say, um, I, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. As a defender of, and again, people will oh, see eye rolls. I like The Greatest Showman. Um, I don't like the story from The Greatest Showman. I like the music and everything about The Greatest Showman. I love the music from The Greatest Showman. But when this song was playing, that song, I was just like, man, dude, this song fucking rocks. And I was like, holy shit, this sounds like Never Enough. And I was like, <laughs> I like Never Enough. So maybe that's why I like the song. So I am a Will Ferrell middle 2000s defender to the end of the universe. I think he, that range, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Stab Brothers, funniest human being that's ever been filmed for me. I love it. <clears throat> it was past that point where he decided to stop being funny and doing whatever he's doing now. This movie was the wildest roller coaster I have ever been on in my life. The first 20 minutes, I thought, I'm going to fake this on the show do my damnedest to let everybody else talk about it, and I'm not finishing this piece of shit. And then I watched it, and I end up, like, smiling at some parts, laughing at some parts, hating my fucking life again, (laughs) laughing. It was like, I felt insane at some point of this movie. There are so many things that I, like... I could talk about for a while from this movie. I need to hear all of it. But holy shit, this movie should not have been made. I don't understand it. I just don't get it. I just think and look at all this acting and all this like group and I'm like, how did you get here? What what coke line dream did all you guys I, get on a train and be on set do this? Netflix. It's freaking Netflix. Will Ferrell shows up and is like Hey, I want to make a movie. Take my money. Like that's literally the Netflix. I, I have to ask. We're not going to you... check on the movie. We're not going to ask you to edit it. Just make whatever the hell. <laughs> you want. Like, that's did you perfect. like or not like the Americans joke? And when it came back. Oh, at the, the end. With the, yeah, with the tourists. Like where the first time you saw oh, the tourists, like oh, where's no. the Starbucks? And then on the second time they do the car. The car was car was like. Funny, but over like it was what Brian explained. It's long, it's drawn out. He just keeps it, and you and I I get it. Everybody thinks that Will Ferrell has this ability that he can just riff for days, and he probably does. Like, if you went to like a cocktail party with Will Ferrell, he'd probably make your stomach hurt right at the end of the show because he'd be making you laugh by different things that would pop up. But they put a camera in front of him and they say, just be, be you. And he just keeps doing it. And they just keep the fucker rolling. And then they hit cut print. And then they put it in the movie. And I'm like, no, there's edits that need to be made at this point. Because some of this shit just doesn't work. Like, that was my only take. Uh, the Yaya Ding Dong grew on me. Like, hated it in the beginning. And when he shows up at the end and screams it again, I'm in tears. Like it's funny at that point. I think I think Rachel McAdams and Dan Stevens knows exactly what movie they're both in. But Will Ferrell feels like the captain of the ship, and he's got as much direction as Jack Sparrow. He doesn't know where the fuck to drive this thing. It is completely all over the place. And the two people that haven't talked. I was just uh, what your guys? What 
Did you love Yaya Ding Dong? Are you guys ready to download the soundtrack? Are you guys in love with this movie, or are you with me and Brian? Um, I mean, I didn't like the movie. That's not going to be a surprise to anyone, probably. But um, there wasn't I, I was never interested in this. Scenes. Yeah, well, uh, if you want to talk about a movie that was too long. No movie like this should be longer than 95 minutes. Like, sorry, that just should not. And again, this is the freaking Netflix. They're they're gonna just make you let you make whatever you want, which is a good thing when they're giving the money to people like Alfonso Cuaron or James Samuel, uh, and is a bad thing when they're giving money to David Dobkin, whoever the hell else. Um, but <laughs> this movie, I was like, I, again, I was not interested in it when it came out, but. Um, you know, my good friend, one Zachary Ford is a huge fan of this movie. And, um, so I was curious about it cause I thought, you know, I do enjoy some of these like very sincere, like music based slash musical movies. Like again, Mamma Mia, here we go again. I absolutely love, like, I, I thought, you know, if this is anything like that, then, um, you know, there's potential here. But the music is the only interesting part of it. Like when when people are performing, you know, songs, I was like interested enough to like keep watching. Everything else is just a bunch of BS. Like, yeah, it's not funny. Will Ferrell is completely uh, phoning it in in this movie. Like it reminds me of some of like Adam Sandler's late period movies where he's just like calling up his friends and like, hey, let's hang out for two hours. And, you know, in Europe, in this in this uh occasion and we'll we'll have somebody just stand and hold the camera um and that's a lot of what his movies uh, movies are it, it feels like he's just cashing a check and i don't hate will ferrell I, I you know i like some of his comedies for sure as much as i you know again this style of comedy is just doesn't appeal to me in general but i do like some of his movies um so it just yeah uh, there, there's not really much else to say about a movie like this for me like if it doesn't if it's not funny to me, then it's not going to get very far. And it, it wasn't wasn't funny. I love Rachel McAdams. I love that she will do any anything. Like literally, she will do this and do like a crazy accent, and then she will go do like Spotlight. Right? She will make like this Oscar, you know, Best Picture winning film. Um, she is down for anything, and I think we need more performers who are like that. So, you know, good for her. This movie stunk otherwise for me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, ding dong. I love that guy so much. Uh, uh, I'm. He's literally the kid from Shrek the Third that says, Do the Roar. He is. He <laughs> didn't grow up. Grew up and it's, moved to Iceland. That's it. It's why, genuinely, my favorite joke, real quick, in the movie is when he comes out and he goes, I only want Tia Ding Dong. It's the only thing that makes me happy. It's like the best joke. I love it so much. It's the only thing that makes him happy. Um. So I'm conflicted. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna get out the things that I don't like first. There are too many things happening in this movie. Um, the whole plot point about Katiana as a ghost completely Love pointless. It. Nothing it. means nothing to the overall story. Yeah, she showed um, back up once for no reason, like. What was that? Oh, listen, Demi Lovato is the goat, and we we do not disrespect Demi. Lovato. I love Demi Lovato. Don't get me wrong. Like, but her plot point was like nothing. It Makes meant no sense. Nothing. Uh, then there was the whole plot point with like the the evil like businessman guy. Like, 
didn't need to be in the movie. But um, also, if you think about it, he I died for that. no reason because at the end they didn't want to win the contest anyway. So he he died basically. Which is even the contest, that's even the contest. funnier. That's even funnier that he dies for no reason. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. It's, no, it's fine. Uh, it, this is a group show. Um, I I the whole bit with the elves was a little a little unnecessary. Um, and there were. <laughs> I see you, Cody. Um. And I'm not gonna lie. Uh, at one point, I paused. The, I was I paused the movie, and I was like, "How far into this movie am I? I'm only 15 minutes into this thing." Um, so yeah. So I thought parts of it didn't work because it was just cluttered, um, too long, just drawn out. Let me talk about the positives now. I love the song along. I thought that was a great scene. I loved that scene. I would rewatch that over and over again. Um, I Rachel McAdams is a queen. I love her so much. She's doing the greatest Bjork impersonation I have ever seen. Um, but there's just like so much heart and like earnestness behind her character. She's just like so good in this movie. And um, I, I also like the soundtrack to The Greatest Showman. I think Kusifix a better song than Never Enough, to be completely honest. Maybe if it existed um, first, I might say I, that. I... <laughs> What's that? Maybe if it existed first, I would say that. But as it is, it just feels like a map. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think that there's something about that song that I kind of like better. Um, So the music in this movie, I think, is really strong. And considering the fact that it's a music movie, I think is very beneficial to it. I think it's also funny that they're both perform both those songs are performed by somebody else other than the person yeah, singing right? them in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. Oh, really took me out of it. I think it also also I'd have to check, but it might be. I also want to shout out and I had to write her name down. Uh Melisanthe Mount. Oh, she's um, so good, dog. She's really she's the she's the singer from Greece. She's really sure. good in this movie. I really liked her whenever she popped up on screen because, like, I thought that she was nailing it with as little time as she had. Uh, overall, overall, I think there are things that you can like about the film. Overall, if it's the music, sure. If it's the thing, I just think like you give this this movie just suffers from way too much freedom at the end of the day, and it's just a concept that just doesn't make sense. Like. There was no reason to go to the elf, like the elves thing at the thing. Like that's just over tack on just stupid stuff that they're just going to do. If it was um, the one scene, the elves would work better. <clears throat> also, I think me and Brian were kill him instantly. I think me and Brian were on a call. Like I think me and Brian were on a call recent, and I was like, "Did you watch your vision yet?" And he's like, "No, not yet." I'm like, Oh, like I'm dreading this entire thing, and like it's just like it's it's it's, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Like at the end of the day, it, it did not surprise me. It let me down in the same ways it was going to let me down. It was going to make me laugh the same ways it was going to make me laugh. I think the saving grace, honestly, the two saving graces from this film is Dan Stevens and uh, Rachel McAdams for me. I think they were the two people that just. 
they were almost <laughs> they were like the 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 life vest at sea like i something i could grab onto and i know i'm not dying alone on this thing like they were able to bring me out of the ridiculous of will ferrell at times and i was around there so overall <clears throat> go ahead I, I just last two things i'll bring up and then i'll let us no. move on from your vision uh i i Maybe it's just because I really like Graham Norton, but I really love Graham Yo. Norton as the commentator for Eurovision. I did. I he love him. Yeah. I think oh, yeah, he's just a really funny human being. So, like, to, to put him in the, like... Graham Norton is hilarious. Yeah. He's so good. I love the scarf. The scarf. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, and then when they're... It, this is the smallest thing, and I picked up on it again this time. When they're picking the the Fire Saga, for some reason, the hold of the guy picking it up, having it, it just... It says... And his face cracks me up. I do not understand why or how. It's the smallest little moment, what? and it's the tone of the movie, like kind of just summed up in one throwaway visual gag. What <laughs> I love about that visual gag is that if you look at the box, it's almost all CDs. But when he pulls it out, it's a cassette. <laughs> the cassette. I love it. It's also it's also the guy from Iceland. After the wheel thing goes, sorry about tonight. We'll send somebody else next year. Like, <laughs> just, like, like, just admits, like, I'm like, we'll send somebody, anybody else. We'll have, we'll have someone next uh, year, don't worry. That's why I also liked how, uh, you know, I was like watching this, I'm like, how are they going to make it so that these people win the contest? Because I mean, there's no way I believe they're going to win. And so when they did that explosion on the boat, I actually really enjoyed that moment. That was fun. Oh, like, so everybody else good. is dead, except for you, so I guess you're our nominees. So Their I like reaction that. is so good in that moment, too. Yeah, and I'm very much in the same boat as Cody. There's things about the movie I enjoyed. I did not, it didn't feel like I was suffering through the entire movie. I will say that, you know, like Andrew, in the first 50 minutes, I was like watching it and like I hear the first song, I'm like, oh my God, two more hours of this. And then towards the end, I feel like it's building to an end. And I look at the time, there's still 45 minutes left. So it, it did, you know, I didn't, I won't say I really enjoyed it that much, but there are things about the movie that I did enjoy. I also did like that, um, speaking of Dan Stevens, they didn't make him like, a typical villain i mean he's the competition and i very much thought they were going that way like he was going to sabotage them or something like that or try and i thought he was him. associated with the other like the icelandic businessman but he really didn't he just turned out to be just the competition he was never like that mustache twirling villain so I, I did like that they didn't go that way with him so. i do like the part where it's like um oh she's he's like i'll give her everything that she could possibly want and she's like well not everything and he's like, because he goes, she asked him at the end, like, are you gay? And he's like, no, no, not at all. I'm Russian. Like, I just I'm Russian. There are no gay people in Russia. You've seen the statues. Come on. And then he's like, he's like, like, that doesn't make it. That cannot be true. That can't be true. Like, she's like, that does not with He him pronoun. Love it. He's so good. Dan Stevens great. Um, Koho, what's your rating on this movie? I'm an absurdly high four and a half. I like love this movie. I I totally acknowledge there's so many things about this movie that are fucking dumb and ridiculous and don't make sense. But for whatever reason, maybe you could you could call it when the movie came out and when I saw it, I just latched on and I love it. Like I, if you want I'm more not... thoughts, the Lucas and Zach podcast episode is like three and a half hours long. We go in on this movie. Um, I, I wonder how. I will always come back to it. I wonder how like. When Nope came out and like the most popular review for Nope was Yep, 
Like everybody kept doing that for the movie Nope. Mm-hmm. I'm curious of what like if how many feature Yaya Ding Dong in the review for your revision because I so think many. it's gonna have be Never a look high at the most popular reviews of movies. <laughs> it's the most depressing thing. Yep. Um I still haven't seen Nope, but I I just want to do that just to piss everybody off. Um um bro, bar. Okay. What's your rating? So I think this is a good movie. Um, but I can't give it higher than three. Okay. I mean, you Stop. could. <laughs> Two stars. Nothing else to say. I toyed with a two and a half, but ultimately I got to go with two. Uh, I am I am a two and a half. I'm a two and a half. Uh, I do like the last song. I do like the last song, even if it is never. I still enjoyed it. I I was like, this is a different tone change than I don't like. And the next one, um, probably the one that I will probably spend the most time on. Um, but it's the heart of a fall. Uh, Brian, take it away. Yeah. So this is I. The, I tend to normally pick movies that people aren't as familiar with. A lot of eighties, nineties things like that. This time I went with one, like I said, it's one that everybody here had seen. Um, everyone here liked, as far as I know. Uh, but I think that I would like to hear more discussion about this movie because it seems like nobody really talks about this movie. I, I brought it up and somebody else I think did as well, just briefly on, um, uh, I think it was Logged It, where it's been talked about a little bit. Um, but, you know, I'd like to have a much bigger discussion about it. That being, of course, uh, James Samuel's The Harder They Fall. Um this is a movie that is the feature film debut of a guy who's basically a musician. It's actually Seal's younger brother, uh, James Samuel. Um, he wrote, directed, produced along with uh, Jay-Z. Uh, he composed. He did some of the songs in this movie. And so you'd think it's going to be basically, you know, a, a first time effort or it's going to be, you know, essentially a, a music video kind of thing, judging from the kind of person that's making it. But it's not. This turned out to be, I think the best Western I have seen in a long, long time. Um, I think this director has such a kind of unique style to him. I mean, there are things about it that even I've compared to Tarantino in terms of some of the dialogue, in terms of some of the anachronistic music, things like that. So there are definitely comparisons to me, something like Tarantino, but I think that his is a style all its own. I think it's new, it's fresh. I love it. I can't wait to see everything he does in the future. Um, the cast he assembled here is just amazing from top to bottom. I mean, you've got uh, Jonathan Majors, who, you know, people knew a little bit about who he was then, but just now seeing who he's becoming with, you know, upcoming Creed and Ant-Man and the Wasp and everything else he's doing, Devotion is out now. He's having a hell of a breakout now, and he does a phenomenal job in this. Idris Elba, Regina King, Zazie Beetz, Delroy Lindo, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, RJ Seiler, I thought was really good in this, and Danielle then some Deadweiler. newcomers that I hadn't really heard of, like Danielle Deadweiler and uh, was it Eddie Kathigi. I don't, I'm butchering that name, I'm sure. Um, you know, all the way down to cameos from everyone from Damon Wayans Jr. to uh, uh, Dewanda Wise from Jurassic Park Dominion plays his mom, uh, to uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, the UFC fighter. He's he appears the scene in this, it's got everybody's in this movie. Um, but I think everybody does a great job, top to bottom. I think it looks beautiful. I, I love the way this movie is filmed. It's gorgeous. Uh, especially there's, there's one scene uh, when they say they're going to this town. They say, oh, it's a white town. And you think they just mean like white people. They go, it's, actual, it's an actual white town. And I just think this, I, I think that looks beautiful the way that thing was designed and built. Um, 
the cast is especially amazing because they lost out on more people that were going to be in it because COVID. They lost out on uh, Cynthia Erivo was going to be in it. Sterling K. Brown was going to be in it. Wesley Snipes was going to be in it at one point, too. Oh, wow. So I'm curious to see. But, of course, they left the ending open for a sequel, so who knows if we'll ever see that. Um, yeah, no, this is just a movie that that I think that is a great film that people write off as you know a Netflix movie. So a lot of people, I think, haven't even seen it. I know everybody here has. Um, but I think you guys can attest that more people should see it because it's beautiful. I wish I had seen this in the big screen. It would have looked amazing on the big screen. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Okay. Yeah. I just have to say, yeah. since it was brought up, again, screw Netflix. All my homies hate Netflix. Why did they not put this movie in freaking theaters? Even for like a week, do the same you know, BS that they're doing with uh, with Glass Onion or that they're doing with not, uh, White Noise right now. Like, just give us a week. Uh, this movie would have been incredible on the big screen. Um, like, it, that is the only thing that depresses me about when I watch it is the fact that something this, like, stylish, this great to look at, and with this insane cast, they didn't even give it a chance. Um, so that's sad. But... Otherwise, I think this is an example of Netflix and their lack of creative control being a good thing because James Samuel is allowed to, you know, do what he wants to do all of this sort of stylish stuff again, just for the hell of it. And that's what I really enjoy is like, is it adding any like, you know, depth or layers to the movie when they do like a split screen shot of like four different people at the same time? No. Is it super cool? Yeah. Uh, and that is sometimes all you need and all you want um, from a movie like this. And this movie is just two hours and 10 minutes of being super cool. Um, and I think that is okay, especially because I really appreciate what it is doing in terms of reframing the Western with these black characters. Um, you know, Nope, I think we, we brought up Nope, but that, you know, is another example of a movie that's kind of trying to take some of the classic iconography of Westerns and everything. And, you know, that is so intimately associated with white people and, you know, transform that. I mean, like that shot in Nope of, of him on the horse there at the end is like, you know, the classic, like we're taking, you know, the image that you've seen a billion times with a white dude and now we're putting a black dude in there. And just by doing that, it like revolutionizes um, the the genre in a way. It, it takes the genre back. So I think that is so important what he's doing. And the fact that, you know, the movie starts out and it's like, oh, well, this didn't actually happen, but these people were real. These people existed. And that is cool, right? Because again, you've seen so many Westerns about like, you know, these dudes like Billy the Kid and all these people. And half the stories are just, you know, made up. But they're, you know, the made up stories about these white Western legends. And so now it's like, hey, we're going to make that, except we're going to put all black people in. And, and it, you know, it's not really drawing attention to um, the fact that it's, you know, we're flipping it to be, you know, all African-American characters. Um, but simply by giving us a classic genre Western with these, you know, African-American characters and actors, it is doing something important, I think, in terms of reframing the way that we look at these movies. Um, so yeah. I think it's it's just a cool movie on every level. That's what I was going to say, is because I think the main thing to take away from this is the reframe of the Western genre 
I think overall, I think Westerns for a good for a time is kind of dead. Like, the, I mean, there we have a few pop up every once in a while, and yeah, they're not as popular as, of course, they once were. But like, how do you retell the story? I think this is the exact way that you retell a Western story. I think this is the exact way you do it, and I think you tell it with such a like. We think about it in the aspect of like the Avengers or like a superhero when you see like. Or even like uh, Glass of Onion or something like that. When you see like a cast list of boom, 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 and you're like, shit, how is this going to work? This is exactly how, like, a who's who of actors put into a movie and like them all working. Because you, this is like a dream scenario. All of these people in the movie, it just works out so well. The thing I love about this movie, and I love this movie on rewatch. I did not talk about or like gush about this movie as much, and I guess it was because I was just trying to cram as many movies in at the end of the the time when I was watching them all. This movie is so powerful. One, the the music is amazing. I will just get that out of the way. The music is basically carries me from scene to scene. So love that part. Two, the stuff that they're able to do with the sound and the how they shoot the movie to create the most intimidating people possible. Regina King and Idris Elba are created as such of these two forces by before they even do anything as of the scene. Like you see her parked on the thing, you hear the score, you see the stuff, and like how ruthless she truly is, how ruthless he really is. There's that scene where he's sitting in the mayor, the mayor is like sitting there and talking, like having this conversation, like you're a relic of the past and blah, blah, blah. And they cut away and see that no that. one's sitting there because so he great. is that scary that you have to have a pep up talk before you go and talk to this person. And then the, the brutal beating that he goes through. Um, I think that one of the biggest standouts in this movie is I think Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. Um, Lakeith Stanfield is fucking doing work in this movie. Him and the young little, and this is a complete spoiler. So if you haven't seen the movie, do not stop watching. Go watch and come back and listen to us talk about. It. But when they're talking about the duel and like the first time that he sits up, he goes out here, you'll shoot him twice in the back before they do anything. And he's like, "Good night." He walks away. Wait, that's not it. It's not the that's time. That's supposed to end. You get back here. So good. I've been playing this this entire time, and he's like, "You count." And then when it finally happens. It's the one part of the movie that my mouth completely dropped over to me. I completely forgot about it, but he's like, oh, so five, talking. And you see that shot, and he's like, I hate it. Why do they got to count so slow? And I'm just like, that is such a fucking badass line of a person that doesn't play by the rules. Like, these are outlaws at this point. They don't play them. But I, I jumped ahead. I jumped really far ahead. This movie fucking opens. Fucking incredible. This movie paints everything that you want. One one of the most, like, if you have children, one of the most brutal openings ever. Like, if you think about it, like, to watch your mother and father get blown away, and then you get a cross, like, carved into your forehead as a remote, like, a, like, he knew, like, when you show up later in life, he can recognize you. Like, that's nuts to me. Like, it is just brilliant where they're able to go. I've gushed a little bit. I have way more to talk about, but I'll let everybody else go ahead. I, I love this movie. It's still one of my favorites from last year. Uh, I I still am frustrated that the Guns Go Bang song didn't get nominated. That was like one Thank of those getting you. nominated 
throughout the oh, precursors. So then, good. But we, but we nominated that dumbass Diane Warren song from the Hulu movie with Mila Kunis. Like, why'd we do that? Uh, that God's Go Bang song rips. Because it moves Diane people. Warren, you answered your own question. You're right, it's Diane Warren. <laughs> True. Um, I, I'm a dweeb. Um, and I love that the train is the CA Bozeman. Um, it's just a tiny little touch that like makes me happy because he was like, I pretty sure there was like, he was originally like attached to be involved somehow. And then he got sick and then he wasn't a part of it. And then he passed away. So they put that in there for him. Um, but it's, uh, it's a nice little touch. Um, I love Jonathan Majors' performance in this and he should have been nominated. I think he's amazing. As an he should have been nominated for everything. Honestly. He should be. He's just genuinely one of the best actors. Right? I mean, the whole I movie should have been nominated for everything. Oh, everything. The fact, like, in this original screenplay year that it didn't get in is frustrating. Like, what's funny is the guy who. Well, I wonder if it was eligible only because he, um, uh, James Samuel made a, a short film. I want to say it's like 50 minutes long. It's uh, about all the same characters. It's played by a lot of different actors. I think Rosario Dawson is in it. I think Kelly Who is in it, some other people. Fair. But it's, it's, it's the same, but it's not really a, a solid film. It's kind of a bunch of little segments. So I wonder right. if it would count. It, it still could have been adopted as adopted, I suppose. Yeah. Right. It could have gotten I mean, in either. It should have been in general. What I love is that the, counted, I mean, and that was the yeah, same thing. Yeah. Right. What I love is that the guy who co-wrote it with him is the, um, oh, what did he do on the movie? Remember the Titans. Director of Remember the Titans, yeah, the director of Remember the Titans co-writes this movie, oh, yes, yeah. uh, which is super fun. Um, movie rules. Oh, I, I, think, I won't go on too long. Uh, Danielle Deadweiler, I think, is like one of the big standouts for me, and I'm really glad that she sort of caught fire out of this, and now she's got Till, which she'll probably get nominated for. Like, she's really good, uh, and it's going to be a great talent going forward. Regina King and Lakeith Stanfield are my two favorite parts of the supporting cast. Idris Elba is really good. Like, I love all of it. So. Um, I've like talked talked ad nauseum in many letterbox reviews at how much I love this movie. This time I did see it in the theater. I wanted that said. It was playing in the theater down in Fargo, uh, North Dakota. So I did I catch you. it. That's, that's the first time I saw it was in the theater. Loved it. Uh but I um this time it's five it went up from a four and a half to a five stars. Uh I, I adore this movie. So. Yeah. We don't talk right. about ratings yet. Spoiler. I just realized that. We don't talk about jump to the part of the show. Jeez. We don't talk about Bruno, I'm sorry. Bar. Um, no, so I only saw this movie for the first time a few months ago, um, and by a few months ago, I mean, like, maybe October? Um, and yeah, no, this movie's phenomenal. Like, the color palette's in incredible, the direction's incredible, the story, it's so tightly written. Like, the, the whole thing about, um, uh, what, what's the name of the group? It's like the Red Hood Gang? Um, Crimson Hood Gang. Like I, I love that little that that scene in the barn with Damon Wayans Jr. is just so good. Um, just the That's tension that in that. Um, but yeah, no, this this movie, the performances in this movie are just incredible. Like I'm glad you brought up Daniel Deadweiler because she's it phenomenal in this. But um, honestly, my standout is absolutely Regina King. The way that Regina King at like just that monologue about her sister as she's carving that apple, Jesus Christ, um, it, it's so chilling. And just like the the affectation that she has on her vocals, uh, it, it it's just it immediately it's it kind of reminds. And this is going to sound really weird. It's going to sound really weird when I say this, but it kind of reminds me of Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada, where she's speaking at a level that like forces you to listen to her um 
and it, it was in and out for me. Yeah. yeah. I think what um, she was doing with her voice was in and out for me. That was the only downside of this movie. I think her performance is great, but like the way she was. But I also, yeah. I also just like love how like they show, they clearly show you how tiny of a woman she is. But she's still super intimidating. Like she's standing next to like six foot two, six foot three inches Elba, and you're still incredibly scared of her. Um, and the the whole fight scene, like the climactic fight scene at the end, where especially between her and Zazie Beats, which oh, is like it's so just good. all of these gorgeous, incredible colors, uh, just combined with this ultra scream. The scream, I'm just like, let's go. That yeah, oh my god, what a great moment that is. Um, I also love uh the the twist at the end. Um it's just really well done. Uh I was not expecting it. Um yeah, no, this movie is just absolutely incredible. More people need to watch this. I'm really sad that this is a movie that not a lot of people talk about as much as it should be. I think it's also the main thing is like the twist at the end, but they don't really like it doesn't it doesn't change how he feels or what he does like at the end. Like he like he's normally yeah, like where was he anyway? <laughs> yeah, he's like now I'm just crying about it, but it's gonna be the same <laughs> fucking outcome. Um which is I think is what well, makes that seem even more badass because he's just like I will think about it and he keeps saying it and he just kills him. Um I still love the part where I don't know who's the actor that plays the older guy, um, but he's like when the, the thing blows up and he goes, they're like, "What the fuck was that?" And he goes, "But is that is that his left arm or his right arm?" <laughs> like, the arm is just, oh yeah, yeah, so good. Such a, what a great such an interesting. I, the I world that they build in this. Go ahead, sorry. I watched the, so I watched this with my dad on this rewatch, and we have kind of similar opinions on movies but we definitely have di like different opinions on things he loved this movie and immediately started asking me about people like jonathan majors and delroy lindo and like things like that so i have not personally talked to anyone who has actually watched it that didn't love it yeah once i can get I, the and I feel like your converts automatically <laughs> I still think this movie, I thought this movie would be like, even like the average rating was like a 3.6 like on Letterboxd, which seems like low for Letterboxd standards, because I'm, I'm like in love with this film and the world that they're able to create. I just think like, that's what I love. And I think the like, if there's a sequel, like I'm all for whatever they do next with in the world, I would just like more Westerns to like tackle this. I think, and not the co-host here, not to like tie it, but it's like, it, what they decided to do is similar to like what Lynn did with Hamilton. It's like I'm painting the forefathers as it would look like today. Like if America was discovered today, this is what it would look like. It's great to tell this story because like there you could have easily Tom Hardy, uh, you know, and did a who's who of white actors and did this exact same story. But um, I don't know. And then tell that in Well, the thing about it is no, it, it wouldn't. Like it's not even like a revisionist history because they they say that no. one out of every four cowboys was black because especially like once slaves were freed and that a lot of them moved out to the they're west they're all real people cities and things and so these these towns of all black people existed and a lot of oh. these cowboys were and so I, it's not even like a, a revisionist thing um but I, I i agree but i mean yes you could have made it with white people but i'm glad they didn't because i mean i think the soundtrack would have been completely different and that's one of the things i love most about it is this western music with a hip-hop flair to it 
Um, go on YouTube. There's some, some videos of like James Samuel's performance, some of the stuff live, and it's amazing. I love the stuff. I, oh, we would have had a soundtrack by Sam Hunt. I was yeah. stop. I was talking about the opening, but when the second scene, when he goes to the priest and the thing, and when he's like, "You must have called me in my past," and blah blah blah, and there's still guns him down, and it's the it's the dramatic like shoot him high, like where they all are. But I still love that scene when the guy goes, "Now turn him in." Why don't you turn him yourself for five thousand dollars? Why don't you turn him yourself? Because I'm wanted for ten. <laughs> just such a great line. I'm so, I, I will say, I don't know if y'all y'all know this, but James Samuel, he he is, as of now, scheduled to be making a superhero film um, so that is not not a Marvel or DC, like his own thing. And uh, he's working with... Well, it's um, based on a comic book, but it's not a major Marvel or DC. Is it like a oh, okay. I didn't realize that, but... Um, Kent Powers, the guy who wrote Soul and uh, Night in Miami, he's going to be writing that. So yeah, before, so maybe a superhero that. movie to actually get excited for. I don't know. Yeah, before that, though, he's doing a biblical epic called The Book of Clarence. Uh huh. Yeah. Like Keith Sandfield, um, along with a bunch of other people he's worked with before, as, as well as like James McAvoy and some others just signed mm -hmm. up recently. I don't remember the whole cast, but I'm looking up to see that. Uh, we'll say in this oh, movie, we talked about back, a lot maybe. of the individual themes. The one scene I think I love most in this movie is the scene where they take the train and break out Idris Elba. Yes. I, think that I was just about to bring that scene up. Yeah, everything I love about this movie encapsulated in one scene because you have you have the, the very clever, especially Keith Stanfield, you have the, the clever dialogue and the ways the characters are interacting. I just love his personality and the way he's dealing with them. You have the awesome shots, like the one shot where all of a sudden like, all the guns come out towards uh, pointing at all the all the uh, passengers. I think. You have the, the introduction of Idris Elba, you know, as he comes out of the darkness, out of that tank cell, whatever you want to call it. And then there's that moment at the end of the scene where um, it's like, can anybody here drive a train? And the one who like, who yeah. here knows how to drive a train? And he's like, okay, everybody but him. And then you see like a slow motion <laughs> thing of people shot all over the place. And I just loved everything about this. I, well, actually, not everything. There's one thing that did bug me in this movie was the CG blood. But I'll give them that. I, I can overlook that. Ooh. When I, he's, I when the, they stand outside. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, my, my favorite part of that is almost just the introduction where they walk in and or walk up and and he's like he could have said he was could have been saying nincapoop we ain't no nincapoops it's such a great way to get regina king's like entire characterization you must be the hero and just dresses him down yeah. is so good that whole that's the best scene of the movie i love that scene when she's talking through the, the, he's like let that boy let the boy go and it's like yeah you just let ours go and blah 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 and he's like these Regina King's just getting tired and shoots him and it's just like and he starts talking yeah she doesn't like arithmetic like you need to just get you need to just open this door like it's just, just it is just great it just yeah it, like he's like damn it Regina like I gotta like I'm trying to get this door open um yeah it's just it's brilliant it's just a brilliant movie I think a lot more people need to check this out. Um, my, and I was my, like, I think about the soundtrack. Yeah. My last bit, my favorite line in the whole thing is, you know, I'm lightning with the blam blams. I love RJ <laughs> and that's He's so good. My he was so good at this movie. movie. His favorite line of the whole movie. Yeah, that's it's fantastic. Um, okay. Uh, anybody else got anything else they want to talk about about this? I don't want to rush anybody on that. Keon Cole needs more work as an actor. Yes, he does. Oh, when she, uh, oh, I, I will say the scene where uh, uh, Lakeith Sanfield ends up killing the guy. And are you going to give me this? Are you going to uh, 
and they do the square off again and the countdown is like you just shoot me too like with the cow and then he she pops him in the neck and he goes yeah he would have killed you <laughs> it was like such like a, a justified line of just like yeah he, he's quicker than you like it was just brilliant like oh, this one where time they... something I, I i just really enjoyed this one specific shot of the movie i want to talk about is the shot where I, I think it's Jonathan Majors just standing there, and all of a sudden the camera moves over his shoulder because you hear this clock of a gun, and the camera moves, and you see Lakeith Stanfield pointing the gun at him, and then the camera moves again, you see R.J. Siler pointing the gun at him. It's, I love the way that shot was done. It's wow. everything about the movie is great, dude. I wish I could have saw the theater. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. nobody so, did great in the day school. Brian, what's your rating? It, it may be going to a five. It's 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 like a four point nine two at the moment. It's like I, I, I think I'm probably going to only move it up to five. Yeah, uh, I'm going. It's five. I just moved it. Uh, I I can't wait to revisit it, and it will be on the rotation of movies. It's a top one hundred for me for sure, and I I overlooked this for way too long. It is it's exactly a movie that I absolutely love. Um, Scott, four and a half. Sometimes a movie is just cool and that's all it needs to be. Like, that's this movie. Four and a half. Uh, Bar. A very, very strong four and a half. Okay. And go. I spoiled earlier. It went up to a five on this watch. It's top 100 material. I I love it. I love this movie. Um, Okay. Taj's show this week. Um, I actually don't have the panel for next week right now. Uh, like next month off the top of my head. We filmed this one a little early so we can get this um, be done for a little bit of a break. But we will be back. There will be it will be Brian. It will be Scott and me, hopefully, unless schedule doesn't work out. And then we'll have three other people. Um, so, uh, yeah. Thanks for being here. See you next week. Or next month. I always say next week, but next month.